Good morning. Welcome to worship today. I want to greet all who gather as well as those who are guests with us. We hope that this worship service is a blessing to you. We're continuing with this sermon series called The Culture of Hope and thinking about what makes us who we are, what shared values and practices are common for us as a congregation as well as a people of God as we live out our faith in the world. And today I'm going to talk about one of those cultural values called replicating, replicating. I can't imagine what it was like for those 11 disciples. As they sat there with Jesus in Galilee, this Jesus that they had seen die on a cross, this Jesus that rose three days later, this Jesus that had appeared to them now in his resurrection, and they must have been wondering, what next? What does this mean? How is this possible? What in the world is this all for? And Jesus, in that moment, gives them a very clear direction. He says, go therefore, therefore go, and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Jesus says, you're my disciple. What do disciples do? Disciples make disciples. Disciples share and pass on the hope that is within them. When we talk about a replicating culture, that's a word that we use here at Hope, what what we're referring to is exactly that. That we believe as followers of Jesus Christ, our faith is not private, it's public. And as a result of, of that, we are called, just like those 11 disciples, to share the hope that we have. To reach out with the good news of the gospel and bring God's grace and love to the world. Replicating means this for us as a church. We're a replicating church, and that means that every gift here matters. Every gift matters. Everybody as part of this church is part of the body of Christ. We are joined to the Christian church throughout the world, and we believe that everybody's contribution, everybody's giftedness is important to the work that we have called to do. No one is more important than the other. No, no gift is more significant. Every single gift is part of the body of Christ and necessary for this work in the world. Because we are a replicating church, this means uh, even in terms of the decisions that we make, the choices that we are make, are about how can we share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ? How can we pass that on? How can we duplicate? How can we multiply that message in the world. We preach as a pastoral team. We, we, we do this because of this replicating culture, because we believe that many people can be called with that gift. And we don't want a, a personality to be the hero. We want Jesus to be the hero at Hope Lutheran as we seek to live that out in our lives. And we are replicating culture, and that means that we take this great commission seriously, this command of Jesus, and we share our faith. And because we do, we're a congregation that seeks to grow. We seek to grow. 
We believe that it's our calling to, not because numbers are important, but because people matter to God. And there are people in our community, 75,000 that don't go to church at all, that matter to God, that we are called to reach with his love and his grace. This began long ago at this church. In 1958, a small building just to the south of us right now, Hope Lutheran began in North Fargo where there was not a lot of trees at the time and every block wasn't filled with homes yet. Pastor Bud Roofs was, was called to be the lead pastor of this new mission start called Hope Lutheran. And in that first year of ministry, at his first annual report to the church council, Pastor Bud wrote this. He says, our church has two main concerns. The first is that here at Hope Lutheran, people are one for Jesus Christ. If individuals aren't being saved through a church's life, the church is missing its mission. Amen. The second concern is that of all of us should become better disciples of Christ in conduct and usefulness. There should be growth and development. If people are not progressing in their Christian lives through our church, we are failing them. The story of our church will depend on how faithful we are to these concerns. We're called to grow, to win people for Jesus, but also for us to mature in our Christian walk, our Christian stature, and to spur one another on, to encourage one another to that same growth. So how do we do this? How do we live out that great commission? How do we live out that command to make Jesus known and to grow in our faith? Well, here at Hope, uh, we believe that discipleship process looks like this. It looks like connect, it looks like grow, it looks like serve. Connect, grow, serve. And this discipleship process has arrived, it's, it's in our soul business map, from studying the life of Jesus and how he discipled and taught the 11 disciples that he sent. We are called to connect. When you see Jesus, the, he began his ministry with people by meeting them where they're at. He started with, with their need. He, he, he reached out to them and offered them grace. He, he called fishermen and tax collectors. He, he reached out to those on the margins and those left out in society and encountered them with incredible grace and truth. We believe if we're going to reach people for Jesus, if we're going to replicate that, we also need to start where people are at. This is a congregation that has continually done that. In 1958, that church building was built, but through a lot of knocking on doors and going out and reaching out to people, that small little mission start congregation grew rapidly. And in 1968, this sanctuary was built. 1968, it's on the cornerstone right outside of that door. You can see it there. And that congregation continued to thrive and to reach out and to disciple people and grow until it was again busting in the seams at the late 80s and the early 90s. And in response to the growth of this congregation and also the growing part of Fargo in the south end of town, 
this congregation decided to do something innovative, to do something only maybe a couple churches had done before in our denomination, and that was to start a second campus, and Hope South was born. And they planted a church and an elementary school and then a middle school and then built a fellowship hall and then in 2002 completed the sanctuary. And if you haven't been south, I have to tell you that the ministry is thriving there. But again, we had this problem. We ran out of space as we reached out. And so, again, through a campaign called the Decade of Hope, as we thought, how do we share the hope that we have? How do disciples make disciples? We reached out into West Fargo. And that campus that meets at Uptown and Maine in that lease space is, is booming. It's growing. Uh, on Wednesday nights there, just like here north and south, we're almost already out of space, responding to the young people and young families that are coming. And so we reach out again and respond to that need, not because it's anything about us, because it's all about Jesus. We find ways to meet people where they're at and to love them and welcome them and invite them to know God's truth. We connect. And then we grow. Before Jesus sent the 11 out, he spent three years with them. Day in and day out, eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner, sitting around the campfire. Oh, how I wish I could have copies of those conversations, those many conversations that Jesus must have had with his disciples that aren't recorded in Scripture. He spent time helping them grow and learn about who God was and what that meant for their lives. Did they always understand it? No. Even at this very end, when Jesus appears in the resurrection, they didn't fully get it, what Jesus was asking them to do. But they were called to grow. They were called to maturity in their relationship with Christ. The Apostle Paul in our text from Colossians says it looks like this. He says, he is the one, Jesus is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that they may be present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So people of hope, we are called to grow. We're called to reach out with the good news of Jesus Christ, but, but you and I are called to maturity in Christ. So let me ask you this question. Are you growing? Because there is no neutral ground with Jesus. When it comes to faith in Jesus, you're either moving closer to him or further away. There is no status quo. There is no neutral ground. We're called to grow, to connect, grow, and to serve. One of the things that could help you with that is that, that soul business map that we put together. Because one of the things we believe about growing as Christians is that it's more than just coming to church once a week. That's fundamental. That's our starting point. That's the basic thing. But Pastor Ben Jacobson pointed out to me a, a couple weeks ago something that, that shook me up a little bit about this. He, he reminded me, he said, if it was a sermon that alone that changed people's lives and caused them to grow, in our world of technology, we could just go home and you could download and listen to all the great preachers of the world 24-7, 365 days a year till you die. 
But growth, growth doesn't necessarily happen that way. How growth happens is person to person, face to face. Just like Jesus with his disciples, he invested in them. He called them into life. And so we want not only for people to come to worship, but to be part of a small group, to join a Bible study, to go out and live out their faith through acts of service, to, to get involved, to be a mentoring. If, if you're a disciple of Christ, a follower of Jesus, let, let me ask you, who are you discipling? Who are you sharing your faith with? Are you being intentional about building a relationship with someone that, that needs that hope in their life. Take them out to coffee. Take them out to lunch. Be a mentor. Be a guide. If you're new to this faith journey, don't just jump into discipling other people, but find a, a disciple. Ask someone who, who, who you see has a, a wise, mature faith and say, hey, can I pick your brain? Can I learn from you? Can, can I grow in you? Disciples make disciples. We are called to share the hope that we have. I want to give you an example of that from a guy named Mike Jorgensen, who's a member of our, our church and on our worship teams. He, he's going to share a little bit about a ministry he's a part of called 33 The Series and how that has been life transformative for him to help him grow as a disciple. My name is Mike Jorgensen here. I've been attending Hope now for about uh, a little over two and a half years. I came here in 2020, started, started attending down south. Yeah, you know, discipleship, uh, fellowship, mentorship, I think some of those can really um, be synonymous uh, as we, you know, make a decision uh, in our faith for Christ. Uh, it's only the beginning. And uh, as we start to change and we start to, to uh, change ourselves and, rec and we need help, we need guidance, we need we need mentors, we need friends, we need people to come alongside of us and to help us in this new walk because it's, um, our culture isn't helping us with our walk. It's kind of, it's pulling it, us away from it. So uh, what I've found has been a, just a tremendously impactful thing is the men's fraternity series um, called 33, which is 33 after the 33 years that Jesus was on earth. Um, it's been tremendously impactful for my life. Um, I didn't grow up with a the best role model, wonderful dad, but um, a lot of wounds that he had that he never processed, and a lot of, a lot of that got passed on uh, to me, and, and I didn't realize it, um, how much damage I had uh, until really going through men's fraternity and really seeing what a blueprint, what a, what a, uh, uh, a Christian man is supposed to look like, what he's supposed to, you know, the beliefs and the kind of the, the framework that um, a Christian man and, and a model that we should follow. So just becoming aware uh, of the differences, the gaps and the deficiencies that I have uh, was really a blessing. And then in that, uh, I was able to be around men that were friends and were mentors. And, um, and so and that's just been a tremendous blessing in my life. Um, I think our pride, I think our ego gets in the way. You know, what would a person think if they really knew what I was dealing with? You know, that I'm struggling in my marriage, that I'm struggling in my business, or that I had a bankruptcy 20 years ago, or my kids are right now are rebelling, and, you know, um, just all the things that, that you know, we're, we're embarrassed about. 
And um, that's that. And then on the flip side of that is, is shame. You know, shame is a terrible tool that uh, really, you know, the devil uses to keep us from opening up, you know, because it's like, boy, if people really knew about you, you know, nobody would like you, nobody would respect you. We're very, very image conscious in our culture, in our community. What would people think? What would the neighbors think? It, it, it may be one of the few times that men actually feel safe about talking about mistakes and weaknesses and flaws and hurts um, outside of a counselor's office, but they do it in the company of other men. And it's, it's really a powerful thing to experience and witness. And, and through that, we get to, we get to you know, sharpen each other and we get to support each other. Um, I believe we're supposed to uh, base, go after our faith in a number of ways. Um, of course, you know, reading our Bible, doing, you know, having devotions, you know, private prayer time. But then from there, you know, I think the small groups, um, two or three uh, men or a small group of men that you can share, you know, some of the intimate, intimate uh, most things that you have going on. You know, from there, then you start getting into community worship. I believe we are meant to get together as a body of Christ. And, uh, and, and so it, there's a need for all of it. There's not one that's better than the other. I really believe it's, it's something that, that the Bible you know, instructs us to do. So, yeah, we need to get together the body of Christ and, you know, at least on a weekly basis, you know, and uh, celebrate our faith and, and uh, come and get recharged at the same time. Our faith in Jesus Christ is not an individual pursuit. It's a team sport. We need each other. In the, in the body of Christ, there's no such thing as an army of one. In the army, there's no such thing as an army of one. They work as a team, as a unit. We, we sharpen, we shape one another. I read a recent survey that said over 50% of Americans report feeling alone a lot of the time. Before COVID, 3% of Americans said they have absolutely no one to rely on. Now it's 12%. We live in a world where people are isolated because of this extreme individualism. But Jesus doesn't call us to that. He calls us to relationships where we sharpen one another, where we grow in our faith. Disciples make disciples. We share the hope that we have in relationships of love and friendship and commitment to one another. Our fellowship together helps us grow and it is powerful. It is powerful in our lives. Reach out, get involved, connect with that soul business map and find community at our church. And then Jesus calls us to serve. Go therefore, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. This is a group of 11 disciples that Jesus sent with this great commission, this ragtag group of, of young nobodies, started a movement following Jesus Christ that changed our world because they understood that their life had a purpose greater than themselves that they were called to, to serve in word and deed, to proclaim the good news of Jesus, but also to follow his example and be willing to love like Jesus loved, to wash dirty feet, 
to humble themselves, to lay down their pride, as Mike said, and serve one another in love. I had a recent conversation with a, a pastor that I know that was lamenting, he, he serving a congregation, and they recently did a, a survey, and this was a, a congregation that at one time had been a vibrant place full of young people and active in service in the community, and they, and they were trying to revitalize, but they did a, a survey and asked the members of the church what were the important things, and the, at the bottom of the list was caring for their community and serving other people. Things like uh, style of worship and all those things were really, really important. But at the bottom of the list was serving one another. Right before COVID, we took a survey here. And one of the results of that, across all generations, and one thing that's unique about our congregation is if you look at our generational segments, there's about equal populations in all generations. So we're a multi-generational church, truly, which I think is very important. But across all generations, the top priority for our congregation, which I love, was to reach out and serve those on the margins of our society. That's who we're called to be, to, to reach out and share Jesus through our word and deed. We've done that through targeted giving since we, we started that, uh, those outreaches and talking about things during Advent and Lent. I, I did the math the other day, or actually I had Becky do the math for me. Six million dollars this congregation has raised in just over 10 years to give away locally, regionally, and globally. We are called to serve, to reach out with the good news of Jesus Christ, to connect, to grow, and to serve, to replicate. You know, as a preacher, you always want to leave people with one final story or encouragement or passionate plea or metaphor that helps them go. And, and, and I worked on the sermon. I had that structure of connect, grow, serve, and, and I knew where to start and all those things, but I was really struggling with the end of this message. And so I did what you do in those times of desperation. I did a Hail Mary reach out to Google. And I thought, replicate. What will the internet produce if I type in the word replicate. And it led me down a path that spent, I spent hours studying, I'd forgot about from my science classes way back in high school and college. It led me to the DNA replication process. Does anybody remember this? So DNA, the very basic structure and building block of all biological life, right? This is how life happens, how life is designed, is structured. DNA is formed in, a, in an RNA in a double helix pattern. Uh, bonds, chemical bonds over these DNA strands could be three billion pieces long. And the way that DNA replicates is by this molecule called polymerase. Polymerase. And this molecule, polymerase, it will start at the end of a DNA strand, which contains the code, and every cell of your body is the code for all of your life, which is amazing how God made it that way. But this polymerase molecule, it goes down the DNA strand, and over a matter of two to three hours, it will make a complete, perfect copy 
within the cell of that DNA strand. And so when there's two complete perfect copies of DNA in the cell, then the cell replicates, it forms another cell and implants that new DNA and that process goes again and again and again and again and again. But the cool thing about DNA polymerase is scientists, they, don't, they think it's a miraculous process how this molecule knows how to do that. I think there was intention and design to that. But they call polymerase the hand because it's got a palm and a thumb and fingers that wrap around that DNA strand and literally on bonds the bond between the two sides like a zipper and then zips them back together as it makes a copy. What a metaphor. We need to remember in all this replication process, it is the hand of God that is doing the work. At the very base of all biological life, all creation, this pattern of life producing life is there. It's there. In the work of disciples making disciples, we join God in that, but it's ultimately God's work. The hand of God is upon us. Isaiah 66, 2 says it this way, Has not my hand made all these things so they came into being, declares the Lord? Psalm 8, 3 says this, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, the work of your fingers... John 10, 28 through 29 says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my, my hand. So as we join Jesus in this work in this world, remember that we are in the hand of God and his nail-scarred hand holds you. And it breaks the bonds of sin and death that claim our life. But where this metaphor falls short is it doesn't make a perfect carbon copy of you. Jesus breaks those bonds in us and then he begins a new work in us to conform us and transform us and change us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ, who is the pattern for our lives so that we can, as Paul said, become fully mature in our walk with Jesus to become like him, to love like him, to live like him. Disciples make disciples. We share the hope that we have. Let us join together, people of hope, and continue to do this work as we seek to live out that great commission in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.